Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 1991. I was on the campus of TCU, Texas Christian University, and you know, it was right in the heart of the popularity of the show, A Different World. You may recognize part of this story from my episode with Daryl M. Bell, who's going to join me later on this year. (sighs) But yeah, um, it was my sophomore year. And, you know, there was a lot going on in South Africa regarding apartheid. We were wearing the shirts to ban apartheid. You know, it was a a thing to make sure that you were not promoting or funding anything related to apartheid. We were in a movement spirit, although we were at this very privileged school. Now, what you have to know about TCU at the time, we were about 3% black. That's about it. And if you were going to count who was black, you were going to count the football team. You would count the basketball team. You'd probably count part of the ROTC. Most of the black people that were at TCU were on some sort of scholarship. Not all of us, though. And unfortunately, my parents really would have appreciated a scholarship or some type of financial aid, but we weren't, I guess, deemed poor enough. I don't know. But there were a handful of us that were there, mostly girls, who didn't fit into either of those categories. And we ran a lot of the organizations on campus, including Black Student Caucus, which I think is called the Black Student Association now. Shout out to the TCUBSA. But yeah, we didn't have MLK Day. And you'll hear the full story of how we got MLK Day thanks to the athletes, especially the football players, which brings me to another part of my life during that time. If you recall, Dr. Babbley, who was also in a previous episode around COVID-19, was the department head that used to take a few, because that's all there were, black students over to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram for the monthly Dallas-Fort Worth Association of Black Communicators meeting, which is now DFWABJ, a part of the National Association of Black Journalists. Now, I can't tell you and pinpoint exactly when I met Clarence Hill Jr., our guest today, but Clarence is a member of DFWABJ. And I recall meeting him at some point either at those meetings or at the convention, the annual convention, which by the way, first time this year, it's gonna be online. It's very weird. That's our family reunion and it's gonna happen online. We're not gonna travel to DC. And it was a milestone year this year. All of that to be said, Clarence Hill Jr. has been writing for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram as the Cowboys and NFL columnist and writer for about 23 years. So he knows the space inside and out. 
And as a member of the NABJ family, I had to reach out to him because, you know, these three beasts of the apocalypse that I keep talking about, at least two of them have hit sports square in the mouth. And guess what? That same spirit that those TCU Horn Frogs moved in, the football players, to get MLK Day is the same spirit that we're seeing in the NFL during this movement. What will sports look like when it gets going again? Is there going to be a season? What's going on with Jerry Jones? Yeah. Now that kneeling is the universal symbol for Black Lives Matter, what is the NFL going to do about Colin Kaepernick? All of these questions. And oh yeah, COVID-19. Without further ado, I want to introduce to you my friend, Clarence Hill Jr. He's the NFL and Cowboys columnist for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. You can also hear him on ESPN Dallas. Let's go. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to have Clarence Hill Jr. He is the NFL and Cowboys columnist for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. That used to be my stomping ground when I was at TCU. And he's on radio, on ESPN Radio. Frequently, I know you've heard him talking about everything Cowboys and football. How you doing? I am good. I am good. We talk Cowboys football. We also talk COVID-19 and social justice right now as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're not busy right now, would you say? (laughs) Yeah, there are no sports, but there's plenty of stuff to talk about that intersects the sports world and, and, you know, this whole stick to sports that's out the window. Yeah. Nobody's sticking to sports anymore because there's nothing else to talk about but George Floyd, the social justice, COVID-19, how we're going to come back, how we're going to survive the economy. Yeah. You name it, we talk about it. Yeah, well, that's good. It's keeping you busy. What do you think we have a culture suit moment? Let's do it. Let's All go. right. Awesome. Okay, so I'm always combing the threads. I'm looking at the trends online. And you know what? (laughs) There's so much going on, it's hard to choose. But let's start with social justice. You know, the other day, one of the things I saw jump off the feed at me was the second statement that came from the NFL with Roger Goodell, the commissioner, who made a statement about race and Black Lives Matter. And a lot of people were stunned but they also said, wait, something was missing. What are you hearing about that? Well, actually, it was a third statement. It was a third one? You know, okay. They, they, he finally got it right the third time. Right. Uh, it was not the second time. It was the third statement. The first couple of statements were, like most of these statements are, they're, they're, they're whitewashed and they're polished and antiseptic and they don't really get to the meat of right. the issue and they don't really talk Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. They talk about... You know, we are against racism, you know, yes. in a generic sense. And, you know, we, but they don't speak on Black Lives Matter and police brutality and the killing of black people. So right. they don't really get to what the issue is. And the third statement video, in which is what everybody's doing nowadays, it's, you know, they don't put out press releases, they put out videos on social media. Right. You know, that's just, that's, that's, that's what they do. And it was actually in response to the players. The players are now really showing their power and using their power that they have to 
uh, enact change. And the players basically demanded, we need to you to respect Black Lives Matter, support Black Lives Matter, also uh, admit that you were wrong in how you handled the anthem protests in years past. Yeah. And, and so that prompted the third and final video from the commissioner, the NFL commissioner, saying, we get it, we're listening, we hear you. Yes, we support Black Lives Matter. We understand that black players, uh, black athletes are, are, are the foundation of NFL, that we know would be no NFL without you. And yes, we handled the anthem protest wrong. But what was missing, yes. which point you were trying to get to, mm -hmm. what was missing is there was no mention of the aggrieved person. There was no mention of Colin Kaepernick, who started it all. And and when you don't mention Colin Kaepernick, how can we really take you seriously? Right. Especially when it comes to the anthem protests. And really, they're not anthem protests. They're protests during the anthem. We need to say it right. Yes. Because they need to say it right. It was protests during the anthem. They weren't protesting the anthem. They weren't protesting the flag. But as I've said, and I've said many times on my rap, my show, you, you have to make it right with Colin Kaepernick because your, your uncomfortableness, your inability to handle Colin Kaepernick's knee on the field, yeah. you could draw a bright, a bright red line to... George Floyd, uh, George, uh, to Derek Chauvin's knee on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. You can't handle that knee, it begat this knee. Absolutely. You know, you, you, know, you got blood on your hands to a certain extent yeah. because these are the conversations that Kaepernick wanted to have in 2016. This is what got him blackballed, per se, out of the lid because he wanted to have conversations. He was trying to bring to light in a peaceful manner, a peaceful protest, right. this knee on the field during the anthem to bring to light issues of police brutality against people of color and that was too much for you in that environment your inability to handle that is what fostered an environment where Derek Chauvin could kill George Floyd yeah. and that's where we are yeah you know what it's interesting because I drew the designation between the statement and this last comment he made in somebody's interview he was actually in an interview when they asked him about Colin Kaepernick and that's when he said what he did, you know what, I encourage teams to look at Colin Kaepernick. So well, that's and, and that's his fourth statement. Yes. Okay, so I was dealing with the first three. Right. Now that's the fourth time he finally <laughs> he finally acknowledged that yes, we need to make uh I support teams in getting Colin Kaepernick back. But the problem here is that um the commissioner is not the NFL. Yeah. The commissioner uh does not run the NFL. Right. The commissioner works at the behest of the 32 owners. Yes. Okay. The commissioner cannot hire or fire anybody from a team. Right. It's up to the owners to do that. And he cannot make an owner do that. No. So it's one thing to, for the commissioner to say that. It's the owners to put teeth behind that statement, behind this philosophy, this new philosophy that, you know, we are open to Colin Kaepernick coming back. Now, the news now is that there are certain teams that are interested, that, that they may bring him in for a workout. We will see. There's talk. Uh, Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, he's a Salina native. He's from around here okay. with the Texas Tech. Uh, he used to coach for the Cowboys. He's now the head coach uh, with the San Diego Chargers, one of a few black coaches in the NFL. He's saying that Colin Kaepernick is on his list of guys to work out. And so we'll see how that works out. There are a couple of other teams that have been linked to Kaepernick in the last uh, couple of days. So we'll see. But again, uh, the commissioner can say one thing. It's up to the owners and the teams to actually put it into practice. So a lot of reports linked the commissioner to Donald Trump because of, you know, he's 
donated, and so have so, so many of the owners, not all of them, but many of them. Do you think that where Trump sits now with the public and also what the, the commissioner has said might move these owners off the dime? What have you heard? Well, that's the question, and you know, here in Dallas, it's, it's, it's about Jerry Jones. Yes, it is. You have got the Jerry Jones, but he is the number one owner uh, in, in regards to these issues and this situation, certainly with the, the protest during the anthem, because he's the one who basically led the charge and by the players not to protest. Right. And he's the one who told the Cowboys they can't protest. If you protest in Dallas, you won't be on the team. Right. And so on. And, and, but Jerry Jones has said nothing. Jerry Jones has been quiet. Now, there could be two schools of thought here. Either Jerry Jones is waiting. Jerry Jones is not on board, or Jerry Jones is being a good soldier and letting the commissioner speak for the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know because in the past, Jerry Jones has not been quiet about anything. No, nope. Jerry Jones has not been afraid to talk about any issue and, 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 and inject himself into any issue. But suddenly, Jerry Jones is quiet. Yeah. You know, so uh, it, it's a it's an issue. It's a question. But uh, the it's, it's it's not hard to get on the bandwagon. Now. Everybody's on the bandwagon. Well, okay? you know what, and, and so that's you, the thing. You're not controversial anymore getting on this bandwagon. Right. You know it's one thing to have a change of heart and be along with the movement, but some people are actually shamed into it, which, you know what, I'll take it, whatever it takes to get you to the right point. But there are folks that are out there that don't want to be that person. They don't want to be that white person or on that side of history. So now's the time. Come on, right. Lord. Get on the bandwagon. It, it ain't hard. It ain't, it ain't, uh, again, it's not a challenge to get on. It's not controversial. And it's no longer controversial to get on this bandwagon because it's moving. So you might right. as well get on it. And there are people that think that Jerry Jones will be on the bandwagon. But until he says so, we don't, we know. don't know. But what we do know is the players are speaking up. Yeah. And the players are taking control of the narrative. They're, and they're realizing they have more power. You look, you know, the NFL players are saying, we, you know, it doesn't matter. They're, there will be a new round of protests this year. Yeah. And there's nothing they can do to stop them. The question is whether there will be cowboy players who protest. Because there will be protesters all over the league, and there will protesters during the national anthem. Uh, will cowboy players do it? If they do so, what is Jerry going to do? The bottom line is he's not going to do anything. Right. Because if Dak Prescott decides to protest, if Zeke decides to protest, if Demarcus Lawrence decides to protest, he's not mentioned. Well, and the whole he's team, what will you he's do if the whole team kneels? Right. He's not going to do any of that. Right. But, but certainly right. the superstars, he's not going to do that. So, uh, you know, he might as well come on kicking and screaming because the, the bandwagon is going this way. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Well, and I'm so glad that the players have finally realized the power that they hold. Um, I wrote about this way back when I was at TCU in my master's thesis and looking at professional sports all the way back to like Little League, the whole culture, which is set apart from everyone. But it's it's so different. I mean, even the language, owners, we're on the field. I mean, <laughs> there is some, there's some imagery here. And I'm wondering if this is the beginning of chipping away at systemic social inequities inside of sports. Because, I mean, we could go down the list, you know, maybe the Chiefs need to change something about their mascot. I don't know, you know. But owners, well, or aren't they starting well, to call themselves governors or something like that? That would well, that's that's the NBA. I mean, if you buy a team, you own the team. I mean, you know, we can, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we're gonna get too far about owning a team. And they own a, you own a business. Yeah. You own a team. I mean, so you know, people own businesses, so they, you know, employees call the, that's the owner of the business. You know, so I mean, you know, that that's 
you know, we, we can deal with that another time. Mm-hmm. But as far as the mascots and different things like that, the Washington Redskins are the one that needs to change. Yeah. And you can point to the Chiefs and the Redskins is a slur. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. The Redskins, that, that's actually a slur. Yeah. You know, and, and they need to change that, number one. And we can talk about the Chiefs and the Atlanta Braves and the Cleveland Indians and, and the Florida State Seminoles and, and all that stuff. But the Redskins, that name yeah. is a slur. Yeah. Okay. It's amazing so it's lasted that, this long. Yeah, that, that's the one that's number one. And it's funny because uh, the Redskins are now supporting Juneteenth. You know, they're, uh, you know, Jerry Jones is supporting Juneteenth. You know, it's funny because I wrote a story the other day. You know, Jerry Jones is yet to talk about a race. But he's supporting he's June Juneteenth. June you know, you can bring you some, get you some red soda yes, water and some water. Barbecue. And, 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 and he's invited himself to the picnic. You know, he's, he's finally giving his players off for of Juneteenth, yeah. and it's funny because I was like, I like, we need to do a Miss Juneteenth pageant out at the Cowboys <laughs> Complex. So I'm from Texas. I'm Texas born and raised. So I've been celebrating Juneteenth all my life. We have parades yes. and, and church programs yes. and festivals and food yes. and, and like you got to know understand about the big red soda that comes with it <laughs> and the Miss Juneteenth pageant okay yes we, you know I grew up with Miss Juneteenth pageant so you know I'm trying to give these guys instructions on the NFL and the Cowboys on how you handle Juneteenth what you need to do with Juneteenth so yeah, yeah so a lot of these teams are and I was getting back to the Redskins but they're also a, a team that is acknowledging the Juneteenth holiday yeah they're acknowledging race so if, if we're going to Go down this road, and which everybody's going down this road, and and getting rid of Columbus statues, and and get get rid of Confederate statues. And if you're we're open about race, then you need to open about what the Redskins about, and yeah. that's about that's that's racism. Yeah. And so if we're removing past vestiges of racism, we're making amends and showing empathy, then the Redskins, the NFL, need to address the Redskin team name. Absolutely, and you know what? This is an opportunity even for a skeptic who may not even, their heart may not even be there for some good PR. Could, could we just yeah. go for some good PR for a second? It is a good PR. The problem is that longstanding fans, you know, are going to obviously be against it because that's our tradition, and, and they may lose season ticket holders. It's like NASCAR. The bottom line is this, you know, it, as, I, as I've said last week, and you can use it, mm-hmm. the NFL got punked by NASCAR. Yeah. NASCAR got rid of the Confederate flag. That was huge. That's their base. That was huge. Okay, of the South. And you couldn't go to a NASCAR race without the Confederate flag. And those people love the Confederacy. And they potentially, or, or is potentially going to lose fans over the Confederate flag, but they are doing what's right. Well, they lost okay? the driver. And, yeah, he retired. And, well, he, he quit. And he was no good. Yeah. He was a loser <laughs> like, like the Confederacy. He won nothing. But but he if can take NASCAR, his flag somewhere. <laughs> if NASCAR can 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 be courageous and forge ahead and, and look for new fans, you know who are not racist and who are not celebrating uh, a traitors, then the NFL and everybody else should be able to do the same thing. So the NFL got punked by NASCAR. How bad do you have to be when you get punked on race yes. by NASCAR? Yes, yes. So before we move on to COVID-19 and what the season could look like, tell me what the players are feeling. I know you talk to them often, 
you know, are they feeling more empowered? Are they feeling like the winds of change are blowing? What are they feeling right now? I, I think they're empowered. I don't get to talk to them a lot because we're all in COVID and everybody's, you know, doing their thing mm -hmm. and, and supposedly social distancing and staying home. And of course, they're not. They're out there in the streets, but that's all another story. <laughs> but players are very, the, the thing about 2020 is the players are all on, everybody's on social media mm -hmm. and, and they're voicing and they're using their power and using their voice to impact change on social media. And so, and they're explaining themselves and certainly with raw emotion uh, in the days after George Floyd death and they're continuing to talk about it, whether it's the NFL players, NBA players, you know, there's right now uh, in the NBA, there's a faction of players who don't want to return, don't yeah. want to restart the season because they think it's going to take away uh, from the focus on racism right. and, and, and the, the, the movement that's going right now. So the players are using that power all over the country. The, uh, the, uh, the quarterback at Houston, Texas, Deshaun Watson, and one of the former receivers, uh, 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 DeAndre Hopkins, mm -hmm. they went to Clemson. You know, they're from Clemson, and they use their voice, they use their power of social media impact to help the students in the school get rid of a vice pre uh, uh, a former vice president whose name was on honors college mm -hmm. because he was a secessionist and a slave owner. Yeah. Okay, so that's an example of how the players are using their power to impact change. The players at the University of Texas are doing the same thing. That's what I was going to mention, using, OSU. You're seeing some yeah. of these young guys get yes, out on Twitter and call out their power to impact coaches. change on campus. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, and the NFL players are, are feeling the same way. They're feeling their oats, and it's about and time. And they should. They really the game should. Is about them. They make a Without lot them, of money no for game. a lot of people. Yeah. Without them, would be no game. And and, and just at Texas, uh, you know, because that's personal with me because that's where I went to school. Mm -hmm. But um, what the players at Texas are asking for is not new. Yeah. The student senate, a lot of student uh, organizations uh, sent a letter to the president over a week ago with many of the same demands that the players asked for. It got no attention. Yeah. As soon as the players said, hey, we're not going to play. Yeah. We're not going to support you guys. We're going to boycott if you don't get this done. It's got national media attention. It's got the attention of the president. Now people are talking about it. So uh, the president of, of the school. Yeah. And so that's the way the players can support the students and support everybody else in, in, in getting changed and acted on campus. So, yeah, they're pushing for change in Texas. They're pushing for change in schools all across the country. And it's because the players are using their power now. I love it. And I got to tell you about this little known black history fact at TCU. Do you know this is how we got MLK Day at TCU? Way back when Jim Wacker was there, I'm dating myself, <laughs> the Black Student Caucus decided the only way we could do it was to leverage the players. And if they right. were on board to walk off from practice, they could threaten to walk off on Saturday and let's see what we get. And they were scared. They were really scared. They were supposed to meet us at Frog Fountain at a certain time and they were gonna walk away from practice. Well, they went to Coach Wacker, and in Wacker's, uh, you know, you should applaud him for this because he got arm in arm with those boys and walked all the way up to the student center and met us. And we got awesome. MLK Day. And that's when we realized, we're like, these athletes have so much power. They didn't even realize how much power they had. That's awesome. I remember Jim Wacker really well. Yeah, he's a good guy. We didn't win yeah. much. You know, well, 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 you know he, he got caught cheating, you know, paying yeah. players, but we won't go down that road. Yeah, that that's a whole of, different culture. That was part right? of his legacy, too, but we won't go down that road. All right. <laughs> then there is the third beast of the apocalypse, and, you know, the first one, of course, is race. The 
second one is a failure in leadership. We won't even get into that. And now coronavirus. So coronavirus has nixed everything social that we know, especially sports. So now we have the NFL trying to grapple with what a season could or could not look like. What are you hearing? Yeah, the NFL's trying to come back, but you know, they, they have the uh, power of time because you know, football season doesn't really start till September. Right. So unlike basketball and baseball, who basketball had to stop in the middle of the season, they're trying to restart. Baseball was supposed to start in April right. and they're you know finally trying to negotiate things to restart. Hockey is trying to restart as well. All these 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 leagues are trying to restart. And as I said earlier, there's some basketball players who you know think that if we restart, you know, it's gonna take the conversation off race and the conversation off what's going on. Uh, but there are issues, there are serious issues that people are worried about COVID-19 and, 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 and the things they have in place and whether it's going to be enough to prevent them from getting sick. It's, it's, it's a serious issue. You know, yeah. it's a serious question uh, because you look at the college level, they're making the college kids sign waivers. If you get COVID-19, you know, you, you hold the school no, to no liability. That's crazy. I mean, crazy. I see the, it, but I don't see it. I mean, goodness. No, it, yeah, that, that, that's crazy. So uh, the, the NBA is trying to come back, and they're going to go into a bubble in Orlando for three and a half months. You have to be away from lots of friends and family for three and a half months to play basketball. And they're going to have all these amenities, and they're going to be testing you and doing a lot of different things to try to come back to give us something else to talk about, uh, give the, you know, you know, something to watch on TV, something, you know, to distract us. You know, and it was initially it was about give us something to do outside of yeah. COVID-19, but now it's it's, it's coming in counter with, you know, the social justice movement. The NFL is, again, they're trying to come back as well. Uh, they have things in place. You know, they have protocols in place to, to, to try to be as safe as possible. The problem here is with all these pro, uh, situations is the unknown of COVID-19. Yeah. There, there, there's, there's no cure. Okay, there's no vaccine, and there's supposed to be a second wave. Yeah, there's supposed to be a second wave in October. So, you know, these everybody has plans. They have contingency plans. You know, they will come back. They will. There's. They also have alternate plans. And if they have to stop and restart, you know, those are out there as well. So we'll see. But you know, the governors of Texas, of course, we're in Texas. They they reopen things, uh -huh. and and there's been a spike. Yes. You know, there's Thank been a huge Thank you, Memorial spike Day in, weekend. Yes, and, and then you got, you know, as I was talking to someone today, you got, you know, Father's Day weekend coming up, you got Juneteenth coming up, you got July 4th coming up where people are going to gather and be together. So, you know, we'll see. You know, we got a, really a, about a month before things start ramping back up. The NBA and baseball are going to start mid to late July. Well, you and know? I heard there's a tennis match that's actually going to go forward, but no fans in the sta stadium. Yeah. They're going to have to watch on television. Yeah, golf, you know, had a tournament in Fort Worth with no fans, and tennis will, you know, be no fans. And the difference with those sports is that you can social distance, yes. you know, that so you can't do that in football. Football's you a contact, full contact. Yeah, in basketball, you're sweating on each mm -hmm. other and everything else. So it's the same way. You can't do that. You can do that in, in tennis, and you can do that in, in, in golf to a certain extent. So we'll see. Those are really the test cases, and we'll see. The funny thing about it is, you know, we, we already know that we, we've already had some, some petri just petri test cases 
uh, with the protests. Yeah. You know, so with all these people coming together for protests, you know, we'll see if there's any rise in COVID yeah. cases because of the protests, and we'll know about that in a few weeks, and and that will give you an idea of whether we can have fans in the stands, whether, you know, that's, if, if you don't get a lot of rise because of the protests, then maybe you can have fans in the stands, but if you do get rise in, in cases from the protests, why would you ever go to a game? Why yeah. would you want to be around 50,000 people? Yeah. You know, I saw a tweet from Des Bryant that said that he had tested negative for it. Oh, my goodness. Well, it really kind of brings it home, doesn't it, when when you see well, that? Well, that's what it is. It brought it to our doorstep. It's not just Des because Zeke, the Cowboys running back, tested positive. Oh, And wow. he's, he's asymptomatic. And so Des has been working out with Zeke. That's one reason why Des tested. Oh. But Zeke Elliott tested positive. And, again, and, and it's – with most of these athletes, they're going to be asymptomatic. They're going to be fine. He feels fine. But what people need to understand, it's not just about them. It's yeah. about the people they come in contact with. It's about the family their members. Families. And, Zeke's, and Zeke's mother uh, has top two diabetes. Mm. And so she was afraid. And she had just been around Zeke. Yeah. So, and, and that's what people need to understand. Like, why you may feel fine, you know, why the studies say that even if you get it, you know, it's not going to be, be, be a big deal on you. It's about the people you come in contact You're with and how to right. fix them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I've been staying real close to home because my daughter shuttles between my house, my sister's house, and my senior parents. They're boomers. So we can triangulate right there, but the minute I start going into groups and socializing it, I risk my family. Right, right. And your daughter and all of that, because kids, you know, you know, they're out there, you know, being social and doing the things, and they're trying to be cautious. And the thing about it is, is that, you can be cautious five days every day. I'm wearing a mask, wearing a mask, wearing a mask. That sixth day, I forgot my mask. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or yeah. I touched something, I touched somebody. You know, and so wiped your face it, it, or whatever it is. Right, or you touch your face mm-hmm. or something like that. that. That's why it's tough. I mean, it's tough for us to, you know, self-protect, you know, yeah. and self-police, you know. And, and, and you got restaurants that are not policing. You got other, you know, things that are not putting things in place and, and, and enforcing things. So... Uh, it's the unknown, and, yeah. and that's what's the scary part for everybody. So I got to ask you, you know, everybody says that there there is no going back to the way we were in society or anything. If you were to look in your crystal ball, what does football look like in five years? Well, I'd like to think that my crystal ball says that we're going to have a cure and we're going to have a vaccine, mm-hmm. just like we had one for the flu. It's just taking a while. Yeah. I would like to think that 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 we're smart enough and and we have enough smart people and they got enough people on the case that they're going to come up with a vaccine, you know, that we can come back to some sense of normalcy. I, I just, you got all these stadiums and, and, and the like, and I just think that I think we'll be back, you know, going to games. We may wear masks. We may be more precautious. Yeah. I think that... One thing that's going to stick with us is washing our hands. Yes. People wash their hands like nobody's yes. business now. They weren't doing that before. You know that. And it makes me the wonder, what were we doing? I mean, the world is nasty as it is. <laughs> right, but we touching our phones. Yeah. You wash your, I mean, your phone is one of the nastiest yes. things you have. So I just think that some of our habits will change, maybe for the better. You know, we'll be more conscious about that. We may not as hug as much. We may not kiss as mm-hmm. much. We may not handshake as much and all this stuff. But certainly we're going to be washing our hands more and cleaning up after ourselves more. From a social justice perspective, five years from now, what does football look like? You know, as far as the NFL in five years, uh, it remains to be seen from a social justice point standpoint. And the question is, will we, will we finally get a black owner? Mm. You know, 
the, the issues remain as far as black coaches, and that that's been that was an issue before the George Floyd protest. Before now, we got this reawakening and, and this show of empathy uh, of understanding Black Lives Matter and supporting black athletes. They still had not addressed minority hiring as far as head coaches and general managers, and so they still have steps they need to take. You know, and so uh, th there's a question about that, and, and so you need more uh, a minority owner for sure, but we certainly need more black coaches and and, and more black general managers and, and more you know minorities in, in those type of leadership positions. And so the NFL still has a ways to go. Hopefully, in five years, yeah, we can get there. But right now, it, it's a bit bleak. It's worse now than it was ten years ago. Yeah, and you know what? I have to ask you because you know I'm a certified executive and business coach and what you're talking about here is the front office and change happening there that's corporate is there a leadership lesson in all of this for the nfl i, I would think so and I, I think again i think roger goodell has tried to show that uh what he does at the league level is different from a, a, a team level because most of the teams are family owned and you know it's it's one thing to enact policies for corporations mm -hmm. you know corporations but family owned corporations you know you know, that, that have a lot of, of nepotism yeah. and, and that sort of thing. And, and NFL is full of nepotism. That's the, the, the glass city. That's the bridge that we we got to find a way to cross. Absolutely. And come on, Jerry. Get on board. <laughs> Again, family. Yes. Big business, okay? If your name ain't Jones, you ain't running nothing over there. You there you go. There you go. We can only <laughs> urge. <laughs> been awesome listen where can people follow you on social media i'm all over social media again if you follow me you get all of me you don't just get the cowboys you get social justice you get humor you get texas longhorns you get bad you get everything you, you know, get you omega sci-fi you get all you get, of it you get you follow me you get all of me but I'm, I'm a good follow uh twitter clarence hill jr uh instagram as the kids say ig i think uh, chill NFL and I'm on Facebook at Clarence Hill E. Hill Jr. as well. Awesome and they can catch your column when? They can catch me in the forward star telegram every day. Okay. You know startelegram.com forward star telegram anything on the Cowboys that's me. I'm the only Cowboys writer there. I've been covering the Cowboys for 23 years and the longest uh, consecutively tenured beat writer in Cowboys history and certainly the longest, longest one on the beat. You can catch me every Saturday on ESPN Radio on 103.3 FM I do the Saturday Sports Brunch with DJ Ringenberg. I also do game night during weeknights, especially on Monday and Tuesday nights on 103.3 FM ESPN. Awesome. Yay. Clarence, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Have a great show. All righty. Take care. What an awesome conversation with Clarence Hill Jr. He is the Cowboys and NFL columnist for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. You can also hear him on 103.3 ESPN Dallas. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.